Welcome to a special podcast series brought to you by The Game Sports Show, powered by The Game Entertainment and Media, and presented by TGEM Network Platform. This is the Michigan I-500 podcast series. This mini-series will get into information and interviews surrounding the 53rd year of the I-500 snow machine race, taking place in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, hosted by David McKay Jr. A winter racer's dream, and since the first race day, February 8th, 1969, has not disappointed with being the most prestigious and grueling snowmobile race in the world. The Game Sports Show and T-Gem will have you covered for all of your desired content needs. Make sure to subscribe to the T-Gem Network YouTube channel and bookmark thegamesportshow.com to not miss any content. Also, a special shout out to the Borderline Radio. Now getting to the episode within this I-500 mini podcast series recorded inside T-Gem Studios, joining host David McKegg Jr., Booyah! It's time for the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, presented by T-Gem Network. This is episode two of our I-500 mini podcast series. Special shout out to Borderline Radio. Check them out at borderline.ca for great music and podcasts. Podcasts in which you can hear also on the T-Gem Network YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on T-Gem Network, as well as Borderline Radio platforms and as well as the Game Sports Show platforms. It is yours truly, David McCaig Jr., the host of the Game Sports Show and president of the Game Entertainment and Media. And enough about me. You sh- well, maybe you know who I am. Maybe you don't. But you're here because you want to hear from our guest. And I'm going to transition now into that guest and for our show here, a rider who is taking, well, his time and place in the I-500 event this week in Sioux, Michigan, no stranger to this particular event. And as chief organizer and spokesperson, Rick Federal states, he's a well-known rider at this event, Derek Colbus. Derek, thanks for taking the time to come to the show here tonight. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Definitely. We're very excited to have yourself on as well as other riders uh, that we'll be bringing on uh, this show uh, in terms of getting a lot of exposure to the I-500. We feel that it needs more of exposure. And I'm just kind of maybe in a little bit biased here, but the game entertainment media and the game sports show wants to give that extra promotion. We feel that it deserves because it is a fantastic event. And if you can't get to the event in Sioux, Michigan because of border travel, or you just can't get there for whatever reason, the R streaming online as Rick talked about in our first show. So lots of ways to tune in and you get to watch this particular rider right here, if you will. Now let's go right into the first topic, Derek, as like I did with Rick, uh, let's talk about you. Okay. You know, I want you to talk all about Derek. Obviously I've stated your role within the event, you're riding, you're racing, but let's get into who Derek is, get into what the bio is. Firstly, where were you born and where were you raised? Maybe the same place, maybe a different place. <laughs> so originally I'm from Munising, Michigan. It's about two and a half hours away from Sault Ste. Marie from the I-500, um, graduated high school in 94. Um, after high school, went to Northern Michigan University, which is an hour away from my hometown on a football scholarship. I <laughs> uh, did two years and found out that uh, you had to be a student and an athlete to do those kind of things. And I wasn't into the whole student thing. I, I, I went to play football. So uh, I resigned my scholarship. And within about three and a half months, I joined the Marine Corps. So I enlisted, uh, spent four years in the Marine Corps, worked in um, a division of the Marines called Terpies. Uh, I had a top secret military clearance and uh, there was only about 24 Marines in the Marine Corps that did my job. Wow. So um, did that for four years, um, got out, 
didn't reenlist and decided it was time to go back to school. So um, I started my path to go to chiropractic school. So in 2003, I enrolled at Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa, and then graduated in 07, moved back to Munising and started a practice. Um, it was a good time. At that time, I was married to my wife, Stephanie. We had two kids. We were here for about five and a half years, and we decided to, it was time to leave. So we went to Slidell, Louisiana. And uh, unfortunate, our, our marriage, we separated. Uh, my kids lived in Louisiana now, so I stayed. And that's why this guy lives in Louisiana. Wow. Okay. So you make the trip from Louisiana to come to the I-500 every year then? Every single year. Yeah. <laughs> it's a massive event. Now you mentioned football. Okay. And a lot of our sports followers here on the game sports show, I would be awful as a host, not to mention, cause we have a famous known in the pocket segment. Okay. That's been running since 2015. So seven years strong with that show. And as today, when we're interviewing, it's January 30th. Some people may not be tuning in until a bit later dates based on whatever platform you're tuning in on. So this is obviously a football Sunday. So obviously with you being a football fan, there must be a team that you cheer for. And I'm going to guess it's the lions because where you're from, but I could be wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm a Steeler fan. I don't know about you. I don't. I don't think you're a Steeler fan, but well, I, 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 it's it's tough to say it, but I'm America's team. Okay. I've been a Cowboy fan Cowboy since I was a boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, a lot of success in the '90s. Those Cowboys. It was fun when I was in high school. <laughs> it was fun. It's uh, not as fun. much fun since then. <laughs> so so. I'll, I'll get your opinion then. I know we're talking I-500, but it's always fun to get guests' input on sports, especially when you're doing a sports show. Dak Prescott, is he the guy that can do it for the Cowboys? No. no? Okay. Okay. No, I don't think so. You know, he uh, he's a good athlete. I, I just don't think he's your prototypical drop-back quarterback in the NFL. See, and that's good. If, if, if you want if you yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, if you watch enough games, a lot of his receivers are reaching to their back shoulders to catch balls. That's not good. No, that's not good. He's he, he can't throw a ball like your top quarterbacks. He's not. He's just not that guy. No, he's not Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. No. Uh, I still think Tom Brady, who at this time of recording says he's retiring, but who knows? Question marks right. over that nonsense. But it's such an interesting fact that you bring up. And we're going to talk later on the show about athletes in general, about snow machining, because some people have differences of opinion when it comes to racing and NASCAR snow machining sure. about athletes. And for people that don't think those are athletes, I no, but we'll, we'll get into that. But as a football guy, you've played the game, you've seen it. And, you know, as a cowboy fan, you see a lot of success in the nineties and that's a team who doesn't take failure too lightly. They got a very, uh, they put a lot of money into that team. Jones, yeah. right. He flew a helicopter in somewhere at one. I forget what the story yeah. was, but the guy yeah. has absolute swag. Okay. The guy yeah. has swag. Okay. They don't take tolerance. A lot of my listeners tell me who are a good majority of hockey fans say that the Cowboys are like the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the same thing. And you know what? It is right. They can't get past the first round. They do yep. good first year. They win or come close to winning their division. They get in the playoffs and they choke. Right. But yeah. It's it's fun. It's good. We talk football. I love being able to talk sports to some of the guests, but uh, definitely you could check out additions on the game sports show for all that. But we're talking I-500 here, okay? So I want to continue back into your bio, bio uh, background and exposure to snow machine. How'd you get started? How did it all happen? Well, uh, that's an interesting story. So when I was a little boy, um, 
my mom and dad started a store when they were very young. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure about the date. I would say they were in their young twenties. And when they built their store, we lived in the basement. So half of our house, our house was half of the store of the basement. The other half was all the storage for the store. So I was playing around one day and they, it was a Montgomery Ward store. So I was playing around one day, climbing on all this stuff. And there was a refrigerator box and I saw it was open. So I opened it up and I went and got a razor blade knife and I cut the side open because there wasn't a refrigerator in it. <laughs> and I started pulling out these trophies and it was one after another, after another. And I finally got to this one. It was taller than me and it said world champion on it. And so I, ran upstairs, went up the back stairs. And I went and asked my mom and I'm like, mom, what are all these trophies? And she was like, your dad raced snowmobiles. So back in the seventies, um, my dad and my mom actually lived in the Sioux and, um, my dad raced, uh, for Skidoo and some of his sponsorship money is what my mom used to buy groceries with. And it was champion spark plugs was one of his biggest sponsors. So I had no clue growing up. My dad was a snowmobile racer. So you fast forward a little bit until it was the mid eighties, um, maybe later eighties. The, the circuit that races in Michigan right now is Myra. Okay. So a lot of the guys that are going to be coming to the Sioux, majority of them are Myra drivers. Okay. They just got done racing in Gaylord today. So they came to our town and they ran a race on our bay and they had flyers everywhere. And, uh, a little history of my hometown, we've had a lot of people that have come out of Munising that had either owned a snowmobile racing team or sponsored it. And one of the biggest guys was uh, Bill Ramsey. Bill Ramsey had the Dog Patch Racing Team, and that's a restaurant in our hometown. He owns a couple of uh, hotels here in town, but he also had the Artie Cat shop. And um, so being a little kid, you'd see the Dog Patch Racing Bus, which was actually a school bus. And then you'd see all the names on the top of it, Jeff Kiff Miller, and you saw Bozak's name on there and Squeak Haynes' name. So I grew up in an area where snowmobile racing was big. So Myra came to town and I went out in the garage because they had a juniors division and I set my snowmobile up to go race in this, in this race. And, um, my dad came out one day and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing? I said, they got a junior's division, dad. I'm going to race. And he said, okay. And he walked out the door and he just let me keep doing what I was doing. And then the day of the race or the night before he came out there and I was polishing up the snowmobile and making it look pretty. And he opened up cobbling and he started taking off the clutches. And I was like, what are you doing? And he said, well, if you're going to race, you got to have clean clutches. And I was like, all right, this is cool. <laughs> My dad's helping me. <laughs> so I, I, I can't remember. I was like 12 years old. It wasn't far after that. My dad started racing again. Oh. And he got back onto the Articat race program. And he raced all through the 80s and 90s. Um, I went to a couple races with him here and there. Went to Brainerd, Minnesota. Um, but as I got a little older, I got into high school. I was a wrestler. So wrestling is during winter. Yeah. So my dad would go racing every weekend and I was at a wrestling tournament. So I didn't really get to do much, but when wrestling season was over, my dad would take me to what we call beer can races. So we'd go down to this little town down by Iron Mountain. It was called uh, Sagola, Michigan. And he would throw me on his race sled and I'd go out there and race all the locals and kick all their asses. Cause I was on a badass <laughs> race sled. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so my dad continued to race and then, 
when you get into when I said I went to play college, there was a little gap there. Um, when I quit school and I joined the Marine Corps, me, my dad, and my brother, we all raced together for one season. And um, we dominated stock one, stock two, and stock three championship. We won the points races for all three. Well, I left to go to the Marine Corps and my dad and my brother continued to race. And they raced all the way up until in 2003, my brother was killed at the I-500. Sorry to hear that. So um, when I was in the Marine Corps, obviously I was gone doing Marine stuff. I didn't get to race at all. Um, I got out of the Marine Corps and I came back to Munising and there was a local guy here. His name was Rich Prunick. And I was literally at a gas station getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> and he said, are you going to be here this winter? I said, yeah. And he goes, you want to go race snowmobiles? And I was like, yeah. So I actually got to race against my dad and my brother. Oh, I bet it's memory, Which, memory that you. Yeah, it, it, it was it was pretty awesome, you know. Um, and then I did that for one season. I uh, I left, started my college career again, and I actually didn't get back on a snowmobile until 2015. So I got my education done, started my practice. I had kids and all that. And then. Um, in 2015, I got an opportunity with a local driver. His name is Mike Gentz. Um, you say his name in the UP and everybody knows who Mike Gentz is. He gave me the opportunity to go to the I-500 and race again. So we had um, one of the sponsors of Myra's Beard Distributing. Um, they're out of Mount Pleasant. They wanted to run two snowmobiles at the 500 that year. So they called Mike Gentz up. And they said, would you run this other snowmobile for us? And he said, yes. He called me. They lit the bug. I went and raced. I had a blast. Two years later, I owned my own race sled. Thank God, because my wife said yes. <laughs> and um, the first time she went up there, she fell in love with it. Now, I wouldn't be doing this right now if my wife, Annie, didn't dig it. Yeah, no. And, uh, she, I, I think she likes it more than me. <laughs> See, you know, I'm sorry that there's a little bit of tragedy behind the racing in your life as well. Sure. But it also, you know, the other side, you know, you've taken that and you've kind of lived through that too. There's the other side of it, right? And it's, that's such a touching story with it. And I was going to say influences on your snowing machine in your life. That was my next point to get to, but we've talked about that now. You obviously mentioned the trophies with your dad and how his little background there. And I bet you that part when you were 12 years old, when your dad starts coming on helping you rebuild that, I bet you that made your relationship even stronger. You know, as a son to a father, you always have that father-son relationship. You love each other, your family. Yeah, it's normal. But actually, well, sometimes I guess I shouldn't say it's normal. There's sometimes we don't have that relationship, but it gets tighter with certain events, right? If it's yep. snowmobiling, if it's sports, if it's whatever it may be. And that's what connected your, fa your father and yourself together even more than anything else, most likely. Yeah, and that's the one thing that has always carried racing. That's the one relationship me and my dad always have had that is 100%. Just like any father and son, relationships can get rocky. Oh, yeah. But um, this will be my first year ever racing without my dad. My dad has been a part of my team since I started um, on my own. And um, last year, he re or, well, because they canceled because of COVID, yeah. um, he retired. He's getting old. And it's a lot of stress down there in those pits. People don't realize it, but it's stressful, you know, and uh, he, t he told me it's time. I, I got to be done. Yep. And I said, okay, great. Enjoy the cheap seats, man. 
<laughs> and you got right. and what you've been able to you've you've been sharing that experience with them since you were 12 years old and you know you raced over the 80s the 90s you know and that obviously last year you mentioned covid a lot of challenges there but yeah. you know it's you mentioned a key even before or in between that when you said that it's stressful in the pits and yeah. i know rick dived into that a lot that people don't understand that people, people may watch nascar or you may watch a race like snow machine with the i500 and say oh look how quick can they do it they obviously know what they're doing listen there's communication you're going like it's not like people are just like oh yeah what are we going for dinner tonight oh yeah did you have that beer from northern superior yes i know they're not talking about that they're going they're really working hard but Back to what I was saying, yeah, the connection that you have with your father with that is definitely something that creates that bond, that additional bond that is just unbreakable. And it's just a great thing that you were able to share that with them. And you, speaking of riders overall, which transitions us nicely to our next topic, I want to know what makes a successful snow, snow, a snow machine rider and a racer. I want to know the training behind it and the mental ability. And there's another point I want to bring into about snowmobilers if they're truly athletes. But let's save sure. that to, to the end of this topic. But just the training and the mental ability, right? You are, for the I-500, myself being a beginner sledder, thinking that I could take my dad's neighbor's sled down third line west in Sioux, Ontario, <laughs> gotten it at 90 kilometers an hour, hoping there's no cars coming from the other side. That's not the same as riding the I-500. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. I might take a little bit of a different approach than most people. You know, a lot of these guys, I don't, obviously I can't do it all winter long. I live in Louisiana. All right. So these guys do a lot of seat time. They're doing a lot of riding. So they're, they're developing the muscles necessary to go ride in, in race every day, every weekend. Well, I, you know, coming from my background and obviously in healthcare and being an athlete, I, I take a different approach. I, I train hard. Um, I start training for the 500 six months out and, it's five days a week. Um, I do a lot of cardio and over the past two years, uh, I incorporated riding my dirt bike and I ride my dirt bike a lot. I probably put on about 900 miles on my dirt bike in the past two and a half months. Wow. So, um, yeah, I train hard and I, I have, I have a standard that I, I don't go, I would never go out on that track if I wasn't in shape. I won't do it. I won't do it. And, and, it, there's just, I lost my brother on that track mm -hmm. and I, I have my own personal reasons. What, you know, things happen, crashes happen, and I won't get into it on this podcast, but I will never step on that track or any track unless I know I'm in shape. I won't do it. Yep. So I train hard. You know, my wife will tell you <laughs> he trains hard. Yep. And that's you know, a football I've, player in you though, too. You played football. You mentioned you have that athletic background, uh, with your profession as well, you've seen it. You got to be prepared, not just from a body perspective, but a mental. Mental is so huge in sports, and it's finally yes. being way more discovered now. Like, if I can look back to the early thousands where it's like, okay, if you got to work out for this, it's got to be physical, 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 physical. If you really think about it, you were never taught mental, you were never taught that. Okay, find your ambiance. You know, that things that yeah. go, people chirp now, it, it's a thing. You got to find that whatever kind of allows your mind to stay focused because you can train as much as you want. Uh, a football player, Tom Brady, 44 years old, it, who's a stud to do what he's done for years. And Patrick yeah. Mahomes, 20 something, I don't know his exact age, doesn't matter. Absolute athlete. He can be that athletic beast, but if he's not in the game for that play, you're done. Right. Yeah. 
that's the same thing for snow machining. If you're going around that corner, taking that left, or if you're, you, you know, you're in the pit and you hear something, but you're not thinking, you're not tuned in. Mental is the main point to being yep. a true athlete. I don't care what anybody says. If you can have the build of Dwayne Johnson, the rock, but if you don't have the mental ability of Dwayne Johnson, the rock, and you have a mental ability of a dog, which love my dog, but like, if they're going to say squirrel and be distracted, yeah. You're not yeah. going to be successful in your in your in your type of uh, profession that you're doing, right? And you, you know, all we get that absolutely, as yeah, absolutely. I, I I would go back and say, yes, I I loved playing football, but I did get that from wrestling. Oh, okay. I, I would tell any kid out there if you want to if you want to be in a sport that will teach you how to be mentally strong, wrestle in high school. Okay, wrestle in high school. It, it will teach you more about yourself than any other sport. Hands down, without a doubt. Wrestling is one of the best things a boy can do in high school. And then, obviously, going in the Marine Corps, yeah, that taught me a lot about myself. But my training is is very mental. And, and you're right. If you don't have this up here right, you can go lift all the weights and you can do all the running in the world. But if you can't stay focused, and, and it'll bite you. Yep. Especially in it'll your bite you. snow machining. Yeah, one minute of preparation. That was kind of my next point. I was to say that preparation that you all you've done, but then you, you, conditions, right? If it's snowing out, if it's if Mother Nature's not cooperating with the track, whatever it is. But if you're not in that mental state to focus on the task at hand, it could lead to worst case scenario, but it sure. could also lead to danger to others. Yeah, and it's just overall, it, it doesn't, it won't work. You won't succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I will never put words in other driver's mouth. I don't know how other people do it. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, Corey Davidson. I don't know how many times he's won the I 500, 10, 15, 20. He, he's the King there. Um, Bunky, the he, they've won it seven, eight times. You know, I think one of the gentlemen you're interviewing John, Witch, um, he's won it. He won it three times by himself three times by himself that is just incredible they don't even allow you to do that anymore (laughs) they changed the rules because of him because but i don't know how other people do it i just know how i do it and and um it's it you know i i have never i've I've never finished a race and said i wasn't prepared how about that yep you got to be prepared the training is essential the mental is huge and for people to say and the yeah. last thing i'll mention this topic snow people saying that snowmobilers or racers are not athletes i disagree i don't have to rant about it i already have on previous shows but i want you to take your opinion on that what do you say if someone comes up to you and says ah well riders or racers or drivers those aren't really athletes because they're not football players hockey players playing an actual sport i say yeah. yes. what do you say i want to hear your point Complete BS. I, I would say let's go for let's go for a nice trail ride for three hours and let me see how you walk the next day. Yeah, there you go. And the mental side, which is even more draining than some other professional sports. It yeah. is just as if not more of an athletic ability to to be in those positions. Yep, absolutely. No, you you have to you have to be an athlete to do it. You have to you you have to have hand eye coordination. Um, you got to have it all. You have to have it all. 
You see, and you know what I say, we're going to get to a topic later on about what's going on between the ears. If I tuned into you, I was mentioning that. And I, and to spoil everybody for me, if I'm driving, I need a good tune on, you know, if I'm, when I was playing hockey, the junior level, I was, you know, there was something that kept me going like at a rhythm, right? Some people yeah. have to find what the rhythm is. Hey, if you got to sing some Mariah Carey, go ahead. Mariah can send me any blank check she wants for the promotion right now. That's fine. Uh, but you know, honest jokes aside, you got to find something that makes it fit for you. And it's so big mental. And I want to dive into a lot of that topic with you because you know, you having the profession of the medical background that you have for the mental, be able to talk about it, but just as a writer and what you've dealt with in your personal life about it, it's amazing to do what you do. I credit you uh, with that. So transition to the next topic, then I know we went into a lot of memories here in terms of the family background, uh, but is there any funny stories that you can share with our viewers and listeners, uh, a learning experience maybe, or is there a memory that really just sticks out in your mind more than others? And it could be an accident. Uh, or an incident while you were racing the floor is yours with this i, I imagine you can get into a few things here and i'll let you feel yeah. and go ahead uh I, I would tell you it was the first time so the first time i actually saw the i-500 now again i'm two and a half hours away from the track yeah the first time i saw a race there is when i raced there okay yeah it was in 2001 and i was with rich prunick and crew chief brad crummel and uh Rich was the other driver. He was team owner. And um, I, I'd never been to the I-500, you know, during high school, it's wrestling season. So we weren't going to the I-500. We were at a tournament. And I just remember pulling that trailer down and we drive down the long hill and we went across the front straightaway and I looked down it and I started crying because I was just like emotional. I don't know why. I was just like, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, because all the stories that I've always heard as a kid and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so um, going back to my dad, my dad did sprint racing. We didn't do endurance racing, you know, 10, 15, 20 lap races. So this this first year racing with Rich, this is endurance racing. Well, no one ever really told me that you don't go wide open every lap. You just don't. You try to go fast every lap, but you don't go wide open. Well, when I finally got on the snowmobile, I, I tried to go as fast as I could every lap. And I finally got to my, got to the point where I held it wide open till under the bridge and <laughs> I fell off and that snowmobile went up turn one and it shot up into the sky about 15, 20 feet and did a spiral through the air and landed out in front of the crowd. And then I slid at 110 miles an hour, 108 miles an hour, all the way up to the hay bales. And I jumped up and I climbed up on the hay bales and I looked and all of these guys ran down the hill and they picked up the snowmobile and they put it up over their heads and they walked up to the fence and they threw it back over the, onto the track. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the cowling was laying there and I grabbed the cowling and I reached down and I started it up and it started. And I was like, put my hands up in the air and there was 4,000 10,000 people screaming and I drove it back down to the pits and those guys did what they had to do. And Rich jumped on the snowmobile and he took off. <laughs> I walked into the trailer and my crew was sitting there looking at me and I was like, but I held it wide open to the bridge, you guys. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of guidance in, in take your time. <laughs> it's a long race. We got 500 miles, you know? 
Uh, I wish I would have had a little, little bit more direction on that end, but that was, that was, that was, that was a good 500 moment. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and this has been around for so long. And I mentioned one thing to Rick yesterday, cause I did a little research and so much inside. I don't know if you know what the speed record is for the fastest snowmobile. I'm sure this might be known by a few riders, but uh, 277 kilometers an hour, 172.2 miles per hour uh, was achieved by Chris Hansen. And uh, he's an American Chris Hansen on Lake Nipissing in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, March 13, 2004. Now I give that an extra shout out because North Bay, of course, being tied to our Canadian side as I'm in Sioux, Ontario being Canadian, right. but that is fast. You mentioned 110, 120 over the hill, the 172. Listen, that is fast. Okay. Like yeah. if you're behind the throttle holding that down, okay. You I want anyone, actually, no, I don't want anyone to do this. I don't really encourage it. But if you're driving your car down the I-75 or you're driving your the 400 in the Canadian side, maybe roll down your window. And if no cars are around, stick your hand out it for a second. Okay. Make sure no birds car, make sure you're in a safe area. Don't do it unsafe. Stick your hand out the window and see what happens to your hand. Okay. It, it, like if you just free it out there, it's gonna it's going to go back. Yeah. Okay. If you kind of hold it and flex it, it might not go back, but that takes muscle, right? Yeah. There's the mental you're holding the throttle. You're holding down. Do you think that it is holding down because they got the shield there that they're, they're going, they're, they're, they're waving. They're talking. <laughs> you know what? I love being on video. Cause then I can wave, you know, I can pretend to actually wave so people know what I'm doing, but it's not easy. That is fast. And for that speed record. Okay. Yeah. You know what people, maybe the I 500 aren't trying to break that Chris Hansen record or there, but he means that's just really unsafe, but you guys absolutely fly in that you're racing and it is not easy to hold on and be tight and not be tired at that speed. And you know what the story that you had, you know, you have somebody flying in the air, you got, you going up, you, you, Oh, like if you get any sort of incident that occurs because of an accident or somebody hits the brakes, you can't stop. There is no, you're not stopping. Yeah. There's no parachutes. There's no brakes. <laughs> no, it's usually you eat some hay. Yeah. And I, I've ate a lot of hay at the I 500. Uh, you see, you know, people, we laugh about it now. It's scary, but you laugh after if you watch video sure. about it. It's it's funny stuff. Now, I like that experience. I appreciate you sharing that experience, uh, Derek. Now, before we get into near our wrap-up, I do a little product placement to the Tap Room and Northern Superior Brewing Company in Sioux, Ontario, located on 50 Pym Street. One of the proud sponsors of the Game Sports Show and a proud supporter of the game entertainment and media it is a delicious beer there okay proudly brewed in the sioux and anyone in sioux michigan if you can come on over anyone in the upper up anyone tune in from outside the sioux because then we get a wide range of listeners if you come to sioux ontario go to northern superior brewing company in particular with the tap room it is fantastic now we're getting near the end here derek uh which is not fun during a show you know you hate to end a show but you know we're having some some great fun on this show but rick and i touched on something and it was it was the flow and the wiring between the ears is what we talked about and what's going on in, within somebody's helmet and how one time he's tuned into one person's helmet and it was quiet and but you hear the sleds and then you tune to another one it's different and if i tuned into your helmet okay if i put on your headset from your crew what am I going to hear? Are you singing the track? Are you talking at all? Are you like saying, wow, this snow? Are you like, are you humming that recent, that recent hot tune that's out? Are you in a groove? What would I hear if I put on your headset? Uh, you might hear some swear words every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't talk a lot unless my, uh, unless the, who's ever 
being our crew chief talks to me. Okay. Um, if they ask questions, I'll answer them. Uh, I try to be really quiet. I listen to the snowmobile. Oh, okay. um, and I just concentrate on breathing and staying calm and try not to let adrenaline take over because it's hard. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I really concentrate on staying calm and try to stay calm because until you experience what it's like being in a pack of 38 snowmobiles going 110 miles an hour, it's, it's, it's a little scary. Oh yeah. It's oh. scary, you know, and you can't see, <laughs> you know, it's, I always tell people just take a white piece of paper, stick it in front of your face and go drive 100, 105, 110 miles an hour into it, you know, and it's scary. And so you really got to trust everybody around you to maintain their line, not do anything stupid. Um, but I just concentrate on stay calm, stay calm, breathe, concentrate on breathing until I get in a rhythm. And the rhythm is I listen to the snowmobile and I listen to the motor and that's what I do. If, if I could pipe music, good music into my helmet and still hear the motor, I would do that. But I think it would disrupt me. I, I think it would not, it would take me out of the, out the, the moment. Good point. You got to hear what's going on with the motor to be safe too. Cause you don't know if something's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can pick up little things and you can hear little things. And, and so I just, I try to stay in touch with the sled. Yep. Does that make sense? That, no, that's, that, that's smart. Maybe me being behind a sled going that fast, putting on a recent song by, I don't know if I want to see the weekend or, or uh, Eminem or Coldplay or Aerosmith, one of those tunes putting on probably wouldn't be advice. So that's why I, me racing by a sled. I give you credit, my friend, for real. That is an absolute, uh, absolute gift and treat to be able to see that. And we, as fans of the sport uh, should not only just realize how it's true athletic ability, but that the entertainment is priceless, right? It, it's, it's so great to see and to hear the motors go by on the sleds. It's, it's a treat. It's a treat. Yeah, now, now getting to our closing, Derek, uh, I want to say thank you uh, for taking the time to come on. I want to wish you the best of luck on this event. And you know what, perhaps you and I will be touching base a bit more, or even in particular with the post I 500 show at the conclusion, who knows, maybe uh, you'll have a trophy that'll be in hand beside you with me. If we do a video work there, either way, I'm sure you're out there to have some fun and be a part of a great event. So I want to wish you the best of luck uh, for the event this week. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome, Derek. It's been great having you on. And, uh, and also I want to thank the viewers and listeners of the game sports show and, of course, T-Gem with the T-Gem Network and also the Borderline. Special shout-out to Adrian Valaka, which I've said in previous episodes. He's an absolute stud, that fella is, and a huge part of the podcast series, T-Gem, and much more. Please hit like, follow, and subscribe on the T-Gem Network. Trust me, you won't be disappointed, all right? Social media revolving around T-Gem and the Game Sports Show, Facebook and Instagram, wherever you listen to your podcast. We are all over. You can't miss us. If anyone tells me you can't find the Game Sports Show or T-Gem, listen, to, I, I want to shake you. Just search us on Google. We're there. Now, remember to check out the i500.com website for necessary information, detailed information and reminders, as well as to make sure you follow along with the Michigan i500 throughout the week, in particular TGM and TGSS, as we have more great content coming. Now, sticking to the usual closing by yours truly, I'm here to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. 
Oh, and as I've said on previous I-500 mini podcast series exits, keep your throttle down. Booyah.